Listener Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's Enough Already. It's producer Nat here. Urs is a little under the weather today, so I'm going to be guiding you through literally one of the funniest episodes with comedy legend, the one and only Will Anderson. It is so funny. So funny, in fact, that we're going to give it to you in two parts. Will chats about his straight-up coffee addiction to the point where it's actually annoying his sister's dog. You'll see why. And one of the most uncomfortable things that has ever happened during one of his sets. And I am still laughing from this. So let's kick it off. This is part one with Will Anderson. That's quite enough. Just just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Yes, I can hear But I don't care, that's enough already how do you how do you feel about the idea that you're now at that age group that you can be an inspiration to people though? I don't give a fuck about that. You know what scares the shit out of me? Someone said to me yesterday, and I just always think like they're this kid, right? Yeah. He's 35 years old. 35 years old. And if I had lived in a real bogan area, I could have been his mum. Oh, I look at footballers and cricketers. Yeah. And they all look like men. Like there are, you know, men in the Australian cricket team that I would call sir if I met them in real life who are young enough to be my children. I know. <laughs> I know. My mum always used to say, she goes, if you're watching like a beauty pageant, like Miss South Africa, we used to watch Miss South Africa on the, you know, I remember lying on my stomach on the ground, holding my chin, kicking my feet, just looking at the hot ladies, but then it was just ladies. Um, and, and like just go, oh, all these aunties are so pretty. And then my mum and my aunt, aunt, actual aunties would go, um, you know, you know you're getting old when the Miss South African pageant looks like just a whole bunch of four-year-olds walking around. And I never understood that. Now I do. Now I look at them and go, those children need to go cover up and they will freeze to death. Oh, it's amazing that we thought we were adults when we were 18 and 19 and 20 because when I say 18, 19 and 20-year-olds, I'm like, you haven't even grown into your teeth yet. Exactly. Like, your frontal lobe is they... still settling. <laughs> you don't how know they, shit. How have they let you out into the world at this stage of your life? This is a terrible disaster. I, like, okay, my manager yeah. is two years younger than me or a year younger. Anyway, too old to be learning to drive. And I said to her, you have to have that dumb as absolute fuck within you to be able to drive. You cannot start in your 40 plus. It's, it's too late. It's too late. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's right. It's a terrible idea. You know all the, you know all the consequences at that point. You can't be learning how to that's drive. Right. That's right. You've got to do it in your early 20s. <laughs> yeah, one of my favourites is I'll uh, sometimes have some young young fella, like early 20s, late teens roll up to me and I'm like, oh, here we go. What's this about? Like. Yeah. Because clearly this person is not in my demographic. You know, he hasn't seen anything that I do. So it's yeah. not going to be directly from him to me, this message. And it is always, well, 95% of the time, my mum loves you. Yes. Like, and on that timeline now, if that kid is in their late teens or early 20s, I'm like, your mum doesn't just love me. Your mum at some stage had a crush on me. I, I dated was, your mum in high school. <laughs> I could be your dad. Are yeah. you checking? Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how fucking old we're getting. I'm sure you have a hidden, like, what is your hidden talent? You know, like my thing is I make a perfect cup of coffee oh. every time. I make the best coffee. Whatever you're into... I can make it. 
and I'm very good at it. And I can work 99% of coffee machines out there. Any type of coffee thing you've got, this you've got the slow drip, you've got the Italian, you've got the air. I can do it. I can do all of it. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So, like, on that, so I'm currently house-sitting for my – uh, we're talking during the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Yeah. I normally stay in the city during the Comedy Festival. This year I'm staying in the suburbs, like 40 minutes drive from the centre of the Sydney. I am house-sitting and dog-sitting for my sister and her family who are away on a school holiday. They've got the most beautiful coffee machine and they get fresh beans delivered every couple of weeks and I have been jittering my way around this house for two weeks because I have a coffee about every <laughs> half an hour because it's so nice. Every time I make myself one, I, I'm like, I'll take the dog for another walk. I'm full of energy. <laughs> that I'm dog's hiding. Like, it's like, fuck, he's coming. <laughs> Every time he hears that, he's like, oh shit, get away from me. <laughs> it is one of those things, honestly, where I'm like, because coffee is so expensive at the moment. Like, I mean, you know, coffee at Perth prices all over Australia oh. now these days, yeah. like $7 for a latte. And so every time I make myself a latte, in my head, I'm like seven bucks saved. Yeah. So like in a day, I feel like the more coffee I have at home, it's almost like the more money I've made in that day, like I'm crypto mining. <laughs> I, I'm, you're talking, your lips are moving and all I'm thinking is, wait, what does your sister do? She can afford a holiday and a coffee machine? Well, you talk about what does my sister do. So yeah. here's what I'm going to say to you. You know one of those moments where you have it rubbed in your face of how badly you manage your own money because – there is no way, and I mean being dis, like I'm probably, like I'm, I'm guessing, but I, I think it's probably a pretty accurate guess, yeah. that for every year of the last 20 years I have earned more money than my sister and her husband combined, like in that yeah. time. And yet their house is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> they have a very nice coffee machine. They've managed to raise four children and send them to school. Ooh. They all go to, they went to a basketball tournament in Adelaide. I'm like, how do you manage your money? <laughs> because I always feel like I've got no money. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, like I talk to my mate about this all the time. Like when we're on the road and go, oh, it's just Uber Eats every night and, you know, heaps of weed and and then you get the munchies so it's more Uber Eats late at night. So uh, all of that all of that shit adds up and then you go, uh, and of course, you know, I'm not an animal so you want a bottle of red wine and, and now before you look at it you go, and that... That's just one night out yeah. of 45 on the road in one stint and then you go, your sister would have one of those nights as a blowout per year. <laughs> I don't know if you're like this but when I'm doing a tour, suddenly any rule that I might have for how I conduct myself or live my life goes out the window in service to the show. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I do that thing of just going, you know what? I think the show's telling me that I need to have like a really expensive hot chocolate now because I need 12, 1,200 calories to live in a warm beverage just before the show. And I think the show is telling me that I should have toast for breakfast today. Like it, it all becomes that the show is sending these secret messages yeah. to me like pregnancy cravings and like yeah. all my usual rules for living my life can go out the window. Yeah, no, and I, I want to do things that I wouldn't normally, like this now while I'm here for Melbourne Comedy Festival, I've gone to the sauna four times just sitting yeah. in this hot box, which I would never do, but then I'm like, I'm going to write a, a joke about this, I'm sure of it, so this is going to be tax deductible. <laughs> Everything I do, I'm like, no, no, I'm sure, or I better get a massage book. Yeah. I never, I don't like people touching me, but now all of a sudden I'm like, no, I actually I think a nice hot hot stone massage is just a ticket. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm experiencing this story. <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder about those people who say do a Vegas run. So like the issue with like, you know, you tour all over the world and you do a whole bunch of festivals over the world. So occasionally you get to be in somewhere for a month like you are in Melbourne and you're doing a show every night. So you get a small insight into what it would be like to be one of those Vegas acts who say you do 300 shows a year, but you they're all at the same theatre, you live in the same town, you go home, you live your life and like your life is just, you just go and do your show at night and then otherwise you live your life. Now, which of those would you prefer? So so would you prefer the one where you tour all over the world, you do your festivals, you do your one-nighters, or would you love that idea of just going, yeah, so... Yeah, so Celine yeah. was sort of in my growing up, that was her. She did that massive Vegas run and she's nuts. Like you look at her now and I go, mm. it's that Vegas run that fucked her up. Now I see Adele is doing Vegas and you can see she she texts them all. She goes, another one done, another one done on her social. She has to post every night. Another one done. She, it's like... When prisoners carve the number on the back of the door, <laughs> you can see that bitch's soul left her body. There's nothing behind the eyes. She's just going through the motions every night. You know what's the beauty of our job is we get to travel. We get yeah. to do all these nuts things and just go, oh, I'm doing it for the show. I'm doing this shit for the show. Mm. Like I ate fucking vegan for a week. Like, you know, we're doing mm. all this crazy stuff. But the minute you stop, it's like you manage to make the coolest job in the world, a boring office job. Yeah, I think that you're right. There, there is something about the change of environment and change of circumstance. Like I think there's part part of like what being a comedian is interesting, particularly even just doing like a long run under the festival, is that idea that you can essentially be doing the same show every night and yet the experience can be completely different from night to night. And sometimes I was talking to Tommy Little about this the other night because I had one of those like a night that surprises you. This last Saturday before we're talking, it was like a yeah, big sold out Saturday yeah. night show. This will be just like an easy night at work tonight. And they had been passionate enough about the show to book the tickets. And they'd certainly been passionate about enough about the show to get to the venue, you know, drive, park, maybe even book some dinner reservations that night. They weren't quite passionate enough to clap all the way to the microphone. Oh, no. Yeah, that one of those ones where you just know, (laughs) where you're just like, all right, okay, this is... This is going to be work tonight. <laughs> Literally couldn't, couldn't all the way. To, yeah, well, you have to kind of wave your hand yeah, a little to get them to clap, like on. just so you can make it all you the way to, to the microphone. Ear a little bit. Can't, can't quite hear you because you fucking stop. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's normally when I blame whoever's doing the scanning as they come in because obviously, yeah. like you say, they had the enthusiasm, they had the passion, they had everything. Thing. They queued up outside like farm animals in the rain and then came in. Something happened from cracking through the doors to getting on their seats. Something pissed them off. It's the ticket Something. scanning people. And they're already, you know, sort of going, fucking, let's just get this shit started. Let, dance, monkey boy, dance. And you're like, why, why do I feel so much pressure right off the bat? It's the scanners. I tell you what. Can you, I tell you this? I went and saw Cameron James's show that he did last year that got nominated for one of the yeah. best shows of the festival called Electric Dreams. And it's about uh, his dreams of being a rock musician as a teenager. And it's such a brilliant show. But it's set around the year 2000. So at the start of the show, they have on a screen at the start, like various images from around that time and like bands of the time, movies of the time, like TV shows of the time. And there's this random 
penis. Like I, can't, I don't even know if it's just that's a joke or if that is a thing from the time but it's this like random just picture of this big penis. So oh, anyway. that was my photo I sent it. So he's doing a one. You, you send a lot of dick pics to people, which is interesting. It's not your dick. That is that is that throws people off. Well, that's the I don't clever want to get thing it about it. <laughs> if they ever come to compare dicks and go, see, it's not mine. It's not mine. Happy to show you. It's a foolproof mine plan. Mine fell in. <laughs> They just go out to your garage, they find it hidden in your golf bag. You've just like shoved it in there. Just There's a ball sticking out the top. <laughs> <laughs> With my Bart and Homer Simpson covers on. Well, she's got it in with the woods. That's appropriate, I suppose. That's good news. So I um I'm watching his show. It's a brilliant show. And but this is one of those moments that was beyond his control that could have ruined the entire gig. Luckily, everybody in the room understood that it had been yeah. a mistake, right? Like it clearly wasn't one of those things that was done on purpose. But at the start of uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival shows, but often shows around Australia at festivals, there will be a, an acknowledgement of country or a welcome to country, which is a message from like the Indigenous people of Australia or on behalf of the acknowledgement that, you know, Australia, you know, is stolen land. And so they play one at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. It comes up at the start and literally at the bit that they get to the this always will be Aboriginal land, like this <laughs> penis just comes up on the screen. And I'm sorry to laugh at this because I'm only laughing because it was so inappropriate. Like if it had been done on purpose, like the yeah. gig would have ended there. Like literally if anyone had thought like he'd timed this, like it would just like <laughs> – People just would have started burning shit, <laughs> like literally burning down the venue at the start of the gig. I was like, oh, you poor thing. But anyway, I think luckily he did not know that that had happened until yeah. after the gig because I think if he knew that had happened at the start, you're like, oh, my God, how do, you, how do you keep that out of your mind for the rest of the night? You can't. It's impossible. What is the craziest shit that has ever happened in your room, like while you're doing a show? Because how many, how many solo shows have you got? You've got like fucking. 20 or 30? Uh, 27. So this is yeah. 27th, yeah. So, um, oh, I mean, over the years, like so, so many things is, is honestly the yeah. truth, as you would know. Like, like I mean, I've had people have heart attacks. I've never had anyone die at a show, which yeah. like Knock on I, me, I yeah. hope that, I mean, obviously my audience <laughs> is getting older, so it becomes more and more like we can see I have this, um, uh, like, just from this year. So uh, on my first night here in Melbourne this year, uh, there was a heckler up the back. It turns out he was just, like, drunk and he misinterpreted, like, yeah. a joke in the show. So I have this bit about the diggers, which is what we call the return yeah. service people, you know, in Australia. And um, it's definitely on their side. <laughs> it is a very pro-digger routine. Felt to me like it's so clear that I'm on the right side of this that no yeah. one would ever complain. And then this guy, I think he was just too drunk to understand the point of the bit, he gets angry. This guy has misheard something that I've said 
absolutely overreacted in the wrong situation. <laughs> and then I heard later from somebody that one of my other audience members, and I do not endorse this anyway, but this is an online style escalation, shouted at him in the street outside my venue that they hope he had a car accident <laughs> on the way home and died. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. It's, it's just a heckle. I was can fine live. with it. It's, 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 okay. it's like it when you used to die in a fire cunt and you're like, oh, that's a lot. Oh, my God. This is too much. It's okay. It's yeah, just meant to be a fun is, night this out. This is what happens when I'm riding into my venue on the bike and I'm in the cycle lane and I'm riding with my tour manager and if anyone's in the cycle lane, like sometimes the taxi, their ass is sort of, hangs out into the cycle lane. That's not something, I, I mean, I do enjoy road rage, but that isn't very triggering to me. With Tom, right. that is something that just absolutely pushes him over the edge. He's like, oh, that's it. He goes, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, like, and he'll yell. He goes, I'm going to hammer his boot. I'm like, dude, just let it go. It's like, you know, but then he'll yell stuff like that. Fucking die in a fire, can't. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't match. It doesn't match. So um, you ask about weird things that happen at gigs. So I was doing a corporate show and it was a huge uh, fundraising benefit for a really good cause. So it was one of those nights where it wasn't just a comedy night. It was like they had a range of speakers. So some of them were inspirational speakers. Some of them were motivational speakers. There was like a finance guy. There was a sports guy. Yeah, yeah. And then like I was doing some comedy as well. The guy behind, before me, who came on before me, he was a guy in a wheelchair who competed for Australia at the Olympics, but he'd also climbed Mount Everest. And so he was telling this incredible story of like being this dude who's in a wheelchair, but was also able to climb Mount Everest. So he was going to be tough to follow yeah. at the best of times to come on and go, hey, so I grew up on a dairy farm. How are you guys going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the richest to richest story. How's it going in here? <laughs> So here's what happens. This guy makes this incredible speech. Like, honestly, it's it's brilliant. Like, it's it's obviously his thing yeah. that he takes to all these corporates. So it's, you know, the whole thing's been done a million times. It has this Polished. perfect crescendo. Like, the entire audience give him a standing ovation, which I honestly thought was bad taste <laughs> to a guy in a wheelchair. I felt, <laughs> felt like give him the respect to stay in your seats, you know. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't rub it in. This guy you know is the just... rules. Put your chair forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. So um, because this stage has been um, like brought into this room, it's not like a venue that is geared, geared to accessibility. Instead of having like a ramp for this dude to like come up, they have one of those like, you know, like mm. lifts like those mechanical lifts so that he just rolls into it and then it just lowers him down the back. But it's got like a safety light and a little small beep that I guess it has to have for whatever reasons, <laughs> right? And so the MC of the night like thinks that this guy's gone so well that he might as well keep the night rolling and get me out there to do my stand-up comedy. Now, like at the best of times I would have liked a couple of minutes of resetting the room for me to come out and do my thing after that. But in this particular instance it would have been even more uh, uh, yeah, helpful to me because I had to do the first five minutes of my set while this hero <laughs> who just had everyone enthralled with his hero story of getting up Mount Everest is being lowered slowly down behind me with this like beep and this flashing light while I'm trying to be like, so politics, what's going on with John Howard and stuff? You know when you're wanking into a sock, <laughs> beep. 
<laughs> and I'm like, he fucking made it up Everest by himself. Yeah. He could probably get down off the stage without this. He doesn't need it? this. He's a hero. Oh, no, I didn't. I wish I'd have. had the courage. I, had, <laughs> I, was, I 100% would have. Get him a rope, let him He'll be fine. It's like a metre and a half. That's like that's disrespectful to this guy. This is just a stage. Yeah, patronising him. Like, leave him be. Yeah. He can sort it out. I honestly thought that story was going to go um, because it was just a drop-in stage and there was no safety or anything. He rolled off stage and he fell off. That's where I thought that was going to go. So, oh, I was, man, that would have been a that would have been a blessing <laughs> compared to what actually happened. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> tell tell me because uh, I have two things that uh, conversation starters mm-hmm. that um, producer okay. Natalie milked you for. Um, yeah, I did. I did uh, notice. I know. That I, I know. I usually, I usually hate it when people go. It's like, go. Glad that you, you and I will I'm really like, need some worry. conversation starters. <laughs> <laughs> I think we started the conversation yeah, half an yeah, hour ago. We like, were saying uh, when, especially radio stations, but I get it. Your personality doesn't have to yeah. reflect who you are on stage, but when you're promoting your show, people want to, you know, you can't be all, yes, yeah, so I've got a show that's coming up in, uh, yeah, Melbourne uh, Town Hall. Uh, yeah, it's going to, you know, like you listen to them on radio and you go, yeah. fuck, I don't want to go see this guy. It's, and then It's my it's my advice to new people all the time, which is like the radio stations aren't no. interested in you. Like they're interested in not, not having to do something yeah. for three and a half minutes. And if you can come in and be funny and interesting and entertaining for three it. and a half minutes, they'll get you back on every year. Like that's what every they Every year. And now my spots are like 10 minutes. I'm there. I'm doing the morning yeah. show. I'm doing, I'm doing that's right. the first yeah. two blocks. <laughs> can we get Ursula to guest host today? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's doing yeah, 10 yeah. to 12. 100%. They go, do you mind staying for three breaks? I'm like, no, nah, not at all. Yeah. And I just, I, I, you know, keep your energy up, keep it short, sharp. And boom, 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 what would people like to hear in the car? That's what I always say, even if you, because yeah. you know, as a comic, there's no down days. I remember the day my dad died, I opened a show that night in Wellington. Like there's no sick days, there's no, um, the only time I've ever cancelled a show was because we lost a baby that morning. And then I didn't do a show that night, but I did a show the next night. But people, when you go and promote your stuff or whatever, you got to be, Ah, if you're the best tasting cereal but you're in a box that looks shit, no one's going to taste the fucking cereal ever. But the thing that I would always think is I'm playing to maximum 300, 400 people tonight but there's like 40,000 people listening to this right now. Like more people are going to hear me do this interview than are ever going to come and see the show. So this is actually the show. What I'm doing right now is the show and you hope that like 1% of the people listening to it right now might actually come and see the real show but this is also the show. Even if they're not coming to the show tonight, they will look you up or if they do see you somewhere on their feed because that's how fucking algorithms work, all of a sudden they're going to see you everywhere. Now they've bought that second-hand car. They've seen you so now they're going to keep seeing you and then eventually they're going to follow you and it's like playing the long game. And stop. That's all you get for this episode. But stay tuned for part two of Ursula's chat with Will Anderson. We truly have saved the best until last. All you have to do is wait until midnight tomorrow. But if you can't wait till then, Will Anderson is currently touring his new show, Willuminate, across the country. You can visit comedy.com.au for more details. Catch you tomorrow. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. Supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 